I planted our seed, man. Oh my god. That's beautiful. That's a beautiful... That's a really good omen. I'm gonna just say it. I'm Keegan. I'm Krishan. And I'm Eli. Welcome to Idea Garden, a space we created to cultivate ideas of all shapes, sizes, and smells. This is episode zero, where we talk a bit about who we are, what an idea garden is, and why we wanted to create one. We also get a bit sidetracked along the way. But hey, every great garden's got its fair share of weeds to deal with, right? I figured we would start out with some introductions, and uh, then we'll kind of get into like what this podcast is about, what we're trying to do here, and um, we'll see where things go from there. But honestly, we're kind of just some people who are interested in having some cool conversations, so hopefully people are interested in listening along, or maybe they're not, we'll just have our conversations. I guess now we have a microphone, so that's a nice addition to the party. But anyway, let's do some introductions. Everyone says their name, their favorite artist of any genre, and then something that struck you recently. So I'm Eli, also known as Big Bird, and uh, I would say my favorite artist of any genre would be Bony Bear. Pretty easy answer for me. Something that struck me recently, probably the fact that they just decided to close the public schools in Vermont, where I live, for the rest of the school year. That kind of, well, I mean, it kind of freaked me out at first because I thought, hmm, are things getting even worse now? A little context. This was recorded in mid-March 2020, about two weeks after coronavirus lockdown had begun. Um, but then someone kind of put it in terms of, like, the the date they're expecting to go back at this point is, like, late April, and at that point it's basically May, and then there's only a month and a half left in the school year, and it's just the transition of going back would be too difficult for a lot of people, so might as well just say, okay, we're committing to distance learning for the rest of the year. Hope that things resolve themselves before too long and that we're, we have a normal school year next year, although I'm not sure how normal the school year could be next year after months and months of this whole thing, but we shall see, I suppose. Who wants to go next? I'm Keegan. AKA Hot Toddy. <laughs> yeah, AKA Hot Toddy. And I guess as we'll become evident on this podcast in in short order i get really excited about things really quickly so <laughs> i recently saw a movie with philip seymour hoffman in it and his acting like stole the scene in every scene he was in and so i'm gonna say that he is my favorite artist as of the moment um i plan during this quarantine to watch a lot more philip seymour hoffman movies and what movie television. what movie did you watch uh the talented mr ripley okay what is that movie about i haven't heard of it uh, so it's got Philip Seymour Hoffman, Jude Law, and Matt Damon. I think it was filmed in like the mid-90s. And it's basically about Matt Damon's character, or Tom Ripley, trying to kind of sneak his way into the upper echelon of high society. And so it's, he kind of becomes like this psychopathic character who will do whatever it takes to schmooze his way into these elite arist aristocratic circles. Yeah, Philip Seymour Hoffman. Something that struck me, um, honestly, like the, the level of disinformation that's gone around. So I think I might've mentioned this to you guys earlier, but I, you know, some of my colleagues in my master's program 
who are African-American were talking about how there was a genuine belief, or at least like a, a, a rumor going around that black people could not get coronavirus. Right, I remember you saying that. And that was leading to engage in, in much riskier behavior than they otherwise would have. Um, and I guess that, that really struck me that like today that could actually have any staying power, that it wouldn't just get struck down immediately by some authority. Like you definitely can get it. Don't listen to this bullshit. Any, oh, I, I think it's hard when our authority is also tweeting shit, like mixing medicines to treat coronavirus, and that's actively killing people. <laughs> when disinformation can come from the president of the United States and just be left like, on that platform, it's sort of a, it's a sad state of affairs. Yeah, this might be a stupid question in this day and age, but like, do you happen to have any idea where that specific disinformation you mentioned might be coming from, Keegan? Any idea? Oh, it could be Russia for sure. If I had to put money on it, Russia yeah. or China, just trying to foment insurrection. Wow. It could also just be like somebody who's a bit of an idiot with a loud, you know, a, yeah. a tall soapbox. Yeah. But I would not put it past foreign governments. Look, if Russia took the opportunity to interfere with the election, I feel like right now they would be all about interfering with this. Yeah, I was going to say that's a nice cherry on top that I forgot about. For all of this other stuff. What do they have to gain by that? Saying that black people can't get coronavirus. Oh, just causing more infection and and uh, damage here in the U.S. That and right just off. and just like also trying to incite any type of racial divide over this whole thing. All right, so P man, I think it's time for your introduction. <laughs> yeah, On that uh, note, probably. my name is Prashant, also known as P man. Um, in the same vein as Keegan, I recently became very taken with an artist named uh, Jimmy Monda Ngozi Adichie. She's an author, and I've never really been so enraptured by somebody's writing style. The best way I can describe it is that there's no, there's never a wasted sentence. Every single word and phrase that she writes just carries a lot of meaning towards either fleshing out a character's identity or like moving the story along. It's really impressive. The book I'm reading right now is called Americana. So yeah, that's my favorite artist right now. Something I've been recently, uh, was it surprised struck, by? Struck just, by, you know, whatever that word means. Struck by? Metaphorically. Um, I'm not really sure. I was sort of struck by the lack of communication between state and federal government right now. It's sort of interesting that it kind of seems like a free-for-all in terms of states' responses to various crises that might be happening. New York City recently told all of its residents to not leave the city or the state because the infection rate was so bad. And I thought that was kind of an interesting mandate, not enforced because I'm currently leaving the state. <laughs> uh, but I just think it's interesting that we're in a situation where police are enforcing people staying inside their homes and the government is telling us to not leave and it's definitely a unique experience something you've never experienced before. very struck by so p-man are you currently at like fugitive status leaving your your state when the government told you not to is that why your audio is so bad <laughs> i didn't hear what you said because you broke up but are you asking me where i am well, I, I just so you are currently on the on the move, on the run from authorities out <laughs> yeah, of New York I, City who told I'm you that you must down stay there. By West. I am a refugee from the coronavirus. 
Oh my goodness. That's some strong language there, but if you feel that way, who am I to deny that? It was intentional. <laughs> yeah, wow. You did, I mean, you had to leave your work early, right? You were set to work until... Well, yeah, until I was set to work June? as the only person in my department because everybody else was either unfit or unwilling to go into the office and ended up running the whole agency by myself and exposing myself in the process. So after quarantining myself for a sufficient period of time, I decided that was not worth it. And now I'm leaving. All right. Well, I respect the initiative. No, I, I honestly, I think that was the right move. I'm kind of glad you got out of there. My brother, uh, (laughs) yeah, I told you guys this, but, uh, my brother like ended up contracting the old virus or perhaps the new virus, but pretty much old news at this point really with the only symptom of like, I guess he was, he was kind of like sick, coldish, cold type symptoms last week. And then I was talking to him the other night and was kind of raving about how good this green tea mochi I was eating was. <laughs> I was like, do you ever have that? Yeah, I literally go, do you ever have that feeling <laughs> where you like, eat something and it is just exactly the taste and texture you want to be experiencing at that moment? And he goes, yeah, I, I think I know what you're talking about, but uh, I can't actually taste this shepherd's pie I'm eating right now. <laughs> And the next morning, I get a message from my mom that says, the new common symptom for coronavirus is losing sense of taste and smell. Well, that's not good. <laughs> and then my is brother... Is that something that's going to improve? You know, it feels like one of those things that would be super unfair if it didn't. <laughs> but there are a lot of unfair... No, I don't know. I, I mean, that's literally how I think about this. The idea of this thing permanently removing your sense of taste and or smell super messed up but like life is definitely not fair and that definitely wouldn't be the worst consequence of this whole thing for anybody Uh, a friend of mine dr levy he back in i think it was july got a really bad cold so same same virus family coronavirus he also lost his his sense of taste i don't know about smell i think they might have both gone and he was unable to get it back for about two and a half months. He didn't do anything specifically to approach it. He had talked to an ENT doc, and they basically said it's the sort of thing where your body will naturally kind of rehabilitate that sense. There's not a lot of direct intervention. But for the most part, I think it does come back. It might take a month, two months. It does make me wonder, like, what if there becomes out of this, and I hope this doesn't happen, but like an entire sub-community of people who have no taste of sense or smell Will that fundamentally change the way they move through the world? But we have like new art forms coming out of the, the senseless clay. That is that um, is a that is a real idea uh, to hold on to for a sec. The internet literally gave me a, a passive aggressive suggestion to stop talking. <laughs> you were talking about last I heard was you were talking about cochlear implants and how they're seen and it's somewhat contentious in the deaf community because it's not considered a disability and it's sort of removing somebody from a community. Yeah, what what does it look like to be in this world not being able to taste food or smell anything? Yeah. I'm sure there are people who have given accounts of it, but I, I haven't really heard I haven't heard any myself. Yeah, my yeah. the CEO of my nonprofit can't smell permanently because she had a, a viral meningitis infection in her brain 
that then self-resolved, but it knocked out her sense of smell. And she was telling me that it does affect her taste a bit, but she actually gets phantom smell syndrome where she can walk by something that she remembers the smell of and then will smell it even though she she isn't you know is unable to smell anything else that is fascinating she says it's something that's so fucking fascinating (laughs) yeah she'll walk she'll walk by like a freshly mown lawn or something and like remember that smell of like fresh cut grass okay that oh my there's a lot there (laughs) 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 i mean just like so especially if you're talking about a community of people that was once able to taste and smell oh yeah First of all, it would suck to be able to lose that, especially as somebody like myself really enjoys food. Well, I just know, like, um, I talked to Zach the other day, um, and he had, like, <laughs> he was lamenting about how he had ordered Ben & Jerry's Tonight Dough from, like, Uber Eats or <laughs> DoorDash or whatever it is, and how they brought him chocolate chip cookie dough instead. And I was like, is that such a bad thing? <laughs> and he was like, you would think that they would at least consider that I ordered a flavor with a chocolate base and this is a vanilla base flavor. It's like, well, okay, maybe they should have considered that. Wait, wait, Eli, Eli, are you suggesting that your brother's arrogant statements about taste have resulted in a karmic retribution where his taste has been taken from him? And now he needs to go on like some sort of odyssey. I, I might actually be suggesting something different, which is that being vermonters and having moved to vermont for the sole purpose of ben and jerry's not even a joke (laughs) perhaps this was the (laughs) the karmic retribution that he needed to face as a key moment in his life in order to overcome the rest of his demons not being able to taste the correct or incorrect ice cream flavor. But seriously, this was after he had already lost it. So I was just thinking like, well, you can't taste it anyway. But I don't think he wanted to eat it because he wanted to be able to taste it. Right. I mean, I guess you could save money on food. Like he just, okay, I don't give a shit. As long as the texture feels nice, like I'll just pay for cheap food. I don't know. Maybe that's a yeah, I mean, dumb way of looking at it. health effects, right? Like how many people hate the taste of nutritious foods? Mm. Yeah. This would like resolve that issue, right? Yeah, but like oh, then you eat dough. kale and not not only is it tasteless, but it's just hairy. <laughs> <laughs> well, you would have to base okay, it on okay. whether or not the texture was good. It's it's episode one of this podcast, and so it's about time. Does does a revolution of tasteless individuals increase the prevalence of eating ass? <laughs> oh my god! It's such a good question. It might go down. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Like, I can't speak to whether that community, whether it recognizes itself as a community or not. It'd be interesting if they had bylaws. <laughs> I can't speak to whether that community uh, is doing it for the taste. I would say it's not the only thing. Right. I would say it would probably go up. <laughs> the number of people willing to do that. Well, so if anyone's listening and wants to have a dissertation for their PhD, you can have that one. Yeah, I'll, we'll, we'll leave that one to you. I would be willing to take one for the team and, and get back to us on how that goes. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll definitely ask him about it. I will, I'll make it a point. You can, you, can tell, you can tell him it came from me. Okay, we covered introductions pretty well.
Let's talk about what this podcast is all about, because the three of us, or any combination of the three of us, can just talk about anything for a long time. That's been proven, but it's good to have some sort of direction in life and in conversations. And I think a good one for this is to lay out the philosophy of this podcast. You know, what are we trying to do here? How are we going about it? And get on the same page with each other and for our hypothetical listeners about what we'll do on this podcast and guidelines for ensuring success and good conversations and cool outcomes. I'll leave it ambiguous like that. But we're calling this Idea Garden. Um, And before we get into what exactly is an Idea Garden, I wanted to ask this question to the group. What do ideas mean to you guys? Why is it worth trying to direct a a, a podcast around ideas? I guess I want to know, like, what comes to your guys' mind when you hear the word or when you just think about devoting time to ideas in general? Well, I would say innovation. Hmm. In the sense that if you're talking about ideas, it has the potential to either inspire somebody to think of something new or think of something in a new way and then change something. But I would, I personally always, or almost always like to tie ideas to change or to some sort of productive outcome. But I know that that's not always the best. Hmm, but I do like that, tying ideas to change and some sort of productive outcome. That that resonates with me. Yeah, what about you, Keegan? I, I guess what I was thinking about when you characterize this podcast is every podcast is about ideas. Hmm. So I guess the question here is, is our podcast intentionally about ideas? Like, if we have a podcast about bass fishing, it's about a lot of different ideas. But it's more about the bass fishing and the ideas are secondary. Is our podcast about ideas explicitly? Like, the, the meta of ideas? I, I, I think you're totally right. I mean, I think you're kind of touching on something, which is that ideas are everywhere. They're in everything. They're a fundamental part of our lives. I am hard-pressed to come up with an example where they aren't. I mean, you can try to think about the most, I guess, non-cerebral or cognitive task. I'm worried that if I try to come up with an example, it would be offensive, but like mindfulness, like, you know, or like meditation, which maybe even initially some might feel like, oh, obviously it has a lot to do with ideas, but just like thinking about the state that somebody's trying to get into with, with meditation of like letting their mind go blank and, and rid of ideas in, in a sense. Um, but I even, I think like to find the ideas there, you just have to shift your perspective, not that it's like, you know, okay, that's trying to create a state where one doesn't have ideas in their head, but that is an idea, an idea of, what it would mean, what it can do for you, for your body, for your brain, for your life, if you intentionally try to create a space in your life or a, a practice in your life where you suppress or, or have a way of not flooding your head with ideas. That is an idea itself. <laughs> and so I just think like, I can't think of any place in human life that is devoid of ideas, of just like the concept of an idea. The very act of thinking about it kind of introduces the idea, right? The only way you could get somewhere with no ideas is to end up there by accident, randomly, with no conscious engagement. Yeah. Ideas are, like, ideas as a concept are 
part of everything. Everything is built on ideas. And I guess I could ask, like, how would you guys define an idea? I feel like that's kind of an annoying question. I, I am curious, and I should have checked this earlier, but I'm going to do that thing where people on podcasts look something up while they're on the podcast, you know, Joe Rogan style. Pull that shit up, Jamie. You guys mind if I read the, the little first paragraph of the Wikipedia page? Because you know how I feel about Wikipedia. Do it. So it says, uh, in philosophy, ideas are usually taken as mental representational images of some object. Ideas can also be abstract concepts that do not present as mental images. Many philosophers have considered ideas to be a fundamental ontological category of being. Well, I don't know what the hell that means. <laughs> and the capacity to create and understand the meaning of ideas is considered to be an essential and defining feature of human beings. Actually, I'll read this last line. In a popular sense, an idea arises in a reflexive, spontaneous manner, even without thinking or serious reflection. For example, when we talk about the idea of a person or a place. Ooh, and P-Man, a new or original idea can often lead to innovation. There you go. All right. So yeah, I loved what you said, Keegan, about like, it's not that we'd be the only podcast talking about ideas. Everybody, all, all podcasts, everything has to do with ideas, but we want to be intentional about ideas. And so I think... This podcast can be to what other podcasts, what like meditation and mindfulness is to what is a sort of typical way of thought. Interesting. That is... Yeah. Yeah, people. What P-Man said. So, so wait, to, to put that in coding terms... Never mind. <laughs> to put that in coding terms, <laughs> never mind. Let's not deal with that shit. <laughs> I was going to make some analogy to an API, uh, but I don't want to anymore. Those are some weeds to get lost in. Yeah. But anyway, I, what I was going to say is that I, I love what you said, it, that we're going to be intentional about ideas. And that is... I think really the, the, the goal here, it's going to be tough not to say idea to the point of people getting annoyed about it. But yeah, I think that's going to be the goal here is being intentional about ideas. And I think that requires having a philosophy of ideas or yeah, yeah. I, not exactly like, a, like trying to define what an idea is, because that's kind of why I went to the Wikipedia page. We don't need to worry too much about what an idea is. It's pretty clear it's part of human thought, not that it's exclusive to humans, but whatever. We don't need to define ideas with our philosophy, but what we want to have is like a philosophy of supporting ideas and understanding and nurturing ideas is really the best way I can come up with and remember that component of the philosophy that we're going to lay out here on Idea Garden. So with that said, um, I'll ask this question uh, that we will proceed to answer, but like, what is an, what is an idea garden? Um, like, and I guess a quick follow-up to get us going on that, what does every garden need to be successful? What do you guys think? Oof. Um, and if, if, if it's a tough one, I, I got, I have some, some things in mind, you know, but it's, I don't want this to be all just me laying it out there. Cause this is going to be a, a philosophy that we all can get behind. Yeah, no, I would say it's tough, but not because there's like a lack of things that are needed, but depends on the sort of garden, right? Mm. There's like, I mean, I think you're going to get to a point that I'm, I'm going to make later, but I, I keep going. Yeah. You can have like a very 
specifically curated garden where you want to grow the best Roma tomatoes you possibly can. Mm. So you condition soil to have a certain pH, you want a certain amount of sunlight, a certain amount of moisture, the right amount of nitrogen bound in the soil, mm. you're going to make the best Roma tomatoes you can. But if you try to grow an artichoke the next day, it would die. Right. So it's sort of like, do you want the sort of garden where, like, I always think about this, and what I would love for this podcast to eventually be is like, there's lots of cool podcasts out there talking about different things. There's lots of people talking about different things, but I haven't come across many places, books, art forms where they're talking specifically about how any individual can best hone their own idea garden, like make it very abstract, but also like applicable to many situations. Yeah, so, I, I agree completely. Like there's lots of good conversation about how to be a great innovator in the, the business world or in the tech world. And there's all sorts of self-help books and methodologies to try to like drive that sort of innovation. But that's like having a garden that's fine-tuned for Roma tomatoes. And I feel like there's a, there's a whole lot of untouched opportunity in terms of like making a garden that's more diverse like where a, a wild flower could just kind of blow in over the fence and find the soil and start taking off and growing and so yeah i think like my ideal garden is one that's much more open like less less specifically honed but i can imagine for someone else they they have a very specific goal in mind they want a very specific kind of idea hmm okay you brought up a lot of really good things there and I want to hear what P-Man has to say on this before we kind of dive into into the, the nitty-gritty here on this philosophy of idea, and yeah. idea gardens. I really like Keegan's analogy of using like a specific garden versus a generic or general garden. The kind of upkeep that each of those gardens requires is very different. I think that is sort of similar to what this podcast is going to require. You know, if you're growing a garden for one specific vegetable you sort of have to do the same thing every day in order to maintain that. Whereas if you have a garden that is sort of designed to be more open to any sort of plant growing there, you might have to change your tactic. And I, I like that our podcast might not have to stay the same way all the time for it to still be successful or to still nurture ideas. Yeah. Um, but it is something that will always require some sort of upkeep right like if you want a garden you have to water it mm. you have to water the plants you have to you know create a space for it to grow if you put a plant in a small box or in a small pot eventually it's going to outgrow that pot and you'll have to do something to give it more space to grow so yeah and and just on that little point right there a potted plant is not a garden and and neither is three potted plants you know we wouldn't call if you know even if you have like six plants in the corner of a room i don't Maybe some people would call that a garden, but I don't think conventionally we would call that a garden. I think there's got to be, and I was looking over the Wikipedia page of garden earlier, and it's like, in the first line, it says a space that has been created for, and and then it says you both. go back to Keegan's idea yeah. where it's, it's more intentional than just growing plants, right? You're curating an area where plants are the, the motif, right? They're yeah. The reason to be in that area. Yes. And, um... Yeah, and I'll, I guess I'll take this opportunity. I was going to say it a little bit later, but on the Wikipedia page, it says non-man-made and man-made objects in that space. And then also that like Western take on gardens or, you know, I'm paraphrasing kind of poorly here, but um, like in kind of Western ideas, gardens pretty much always have to do with plants in some way. And so it's basically like saying garden is just short for botanical garden. 
but that in in eastern cultures like there are like things like a zen garden for example and um i guess i i i took i took this line from the article on zen garden that i really liked uh it says they were intended to imitate the intimate essence of nature not its actual appearance and to assert and to serve as an aid to meditation about the true meaning of existence so <laughs> I, I mean, mean see, that's a I, garden with a specific purpose like that that's a garden with yeah. a job <laughs> yeah can I, can I draw both of your guys's memories back to a garden that we've all experienced together where in the metropolitan museum of art new york city there's uh, a room that is lit naturally and it's sort of a rock garden where you walk in, there's a small pond in the corner. Um, it's in the Asian wing of the, of the museum. Do you guys remember that room? Yes. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I think that might fit Eli's example of an Eastern garden where there's not actually plants. Well, I think there are plants in that garden, but they're definitely not the sort of central focus of that garden. It's a very meditative place. And it's one where the focus is not so much growing something, but rather the state of mind it brings you into. Hmm. All great points. Um, so I think you guys have both brought up stuff that were that are that's in like my notes on on what I think a garden needs to be successful and how I guess points that I think would be important for our philosophy moving forward as we you know start talking about our own ideas, having guests on here and hearing their ideas or ideas that they know about, that they are interested by, um, like ideas that we aren't our own, but we hear about and are interested by. Like, I think that um, there's a lot of important stuff there. I guess the, the, the take that I specifically went with does have that more Western sort of like focus on, on botany. And so it might be important for us to talk about is how I've laid things out going to be encompassing enough of that point you guys have been making and like clearly is seen in the Zen garden version of things that plants don't have to be even necessarily part of a, a garden at all for a garden to be a good garden, a successful garden or whatever. Both of you did bring up the concept of nurturing, which I think is like extremely important. There needs to be this upkeep as uh, Prashant said. So I've got a couple of different points on, on nurturing and, and carrying out this, this garden metaphor for everything it can give us, um, which I imagine will continue to find more and more ways it can uh, be bountiful for us as we continue to do this thing. But um, before I get into the, the points on, on nurturing and, and spelling that out a little bit more, um, the first thing is that I thought was most important um, is the seeds. I guess the seeds I'm, I'm equating to the ideas here. So the seeds in an idea garden are the ideas themselves. And I guess because of the nature of ideas as mental representational images, abstract concepts, ideas don't have to be only linguistic. They don't have to only be I mean, obviously, they're not going to be only linguistic even when you share an idea with words. It's going to be about that aren't about the language that you're using to describe it. But like, I also don't think you need to use language as your medium to express ideas. I personally, and I'm curious how you guys feel about this, but personally, I would say any sort of 
medium is any sort of like artistic medium I feel is too limiting um and you guys mentioned like wanting to have a, a garden that's open and not like focused on any one thing um so I think that's really important for the idea garden that we're trying to create here but like not confining how ideas can be expressed and so in this case seeds to just being things that people can talk about. I think they could also be things that people paint or things that people put in a video or things that people write or things are right. not a good example or things that obviously things that people write, but like things that people build or things that people develop in their sport of choice. I mean, I, I, I can't, I don't know. I don't even know where the bounds might lie on what I think could qualify as an idea. What do you guys think? Yeah. So First of all, I'm really excited about this. I'm really glad we're doing this. Um, second of all, I feel like we're going to, we need like a, a solid soft definition of what our garden's going to be, but I think it's inevitably going to change and evolve if we're doing our job right here. But yeah, I, I think the idea is to keep it as open as possible because when I think about like who is, who is the theoretical audience of this podcast, like who would want to listen to this? There's already a lot of material on how to like become a great tech innovator. There's already a lot of material on how to be innovative in, in specific industries and business, in music, in dance, like all of these niche art forms develop their own mechanisms by which to create. And like within them, everybody, you know, there's always going to be a renegade who does it their own way, but there's usually some sort of orthodox method of creation. And I feel like our podcast should be like giving people the fundamental tools and sort of semantics to then think about how to cultivate their own idea garden. So our, our definition should just be like as broad as possible, but still workable. And I think you've kind of just done that. What do you think about, as we've been talking about this, um, I've been, this, I, <laughs> this thought keeps coming to my mind about like, we here at the Idea Garden podcast are creating our own idea garden, right? But we're not the only idea garden. This is not a purely uh, altruistic act in a sense you know we are getting certain things out of doing this i mean just for our friendship and but also just like keep being able to you know if we bring people on here about other people's ideas allow those to influence our own thing um but like you know that we we are creating that space right and i think that's like a a, a huge point of that is a necessary condition um for a garden which is like creating a space and we are creating this space so where, you know, as we've mentioned, we want to keep it open. We want any type of thing to come here and be nurtured. And we are creating a space here for our own idea garden. And so in a sense, I, f I feel like we have our own seeds to plant in this garden. And I want, I think we all want other people to be able to gain something from sharing that experience with us of creating this garden. But also to me, this metaphor is like we're, we're creating an idea garden and their idea gardens, whether people realize it or not, all over the world, everywhere. And a goal here is to, to help people kind of create their own idea gardens as well. And for people to come here and take what's in their sort of idea gardens and, and, and help shape ours and take what's from ours and help shape their own in different circles. Like that is how I, I kind of envision that, like, you know, we're not creating the only idea garden. We're just putting forth an idea really of, of how to, to cultivate and collaborate and nurture 
people's ways of expressing themselves and ways of wanting to innovate. Awesome. Do you feel like there's a specific, like, do you have the, the, the desire to innovate or create all the time? Or is there something specific in your life that gives you that desire to create? Like, is this, like, is there a, like, for example, we talk about art a lot, um, but it's not the only thing that you can create. But for some people, including myself, I think a lot of time my desire to create comes from when I experience art that really inspires me and then I'm suddenly inspired to create. But it's not something I have all the time. And I'm curious what your guys' take on that is. You know, where might these seeds come from that we're, we're planting in this garden? It's mm, a great question. Um, I mean... I'll just start off quickly because I want to hear what Keegan has to say. But uh, the first thing that comes to my mind is just it, the seeds come from who you are. Like the seeds, in a sense, are a, a, a manifestation of like what you've experienced in your life, where you come from. Like they are the expression of you in the moment that you put them out into the world. And I think that's a really special thing. I think that that you can find yourself and other people can understand you better than any, you know, than in any other way through your ideas, through the th the ways that you express yourself in any number of ways. Did I answer your question about like me per were you asking about me personally like where do mine come from or are you just kind of asking that um well, I just floated it, but it's not this, this podcast is going is, you know, we, we bring our own ideas into it and we develop them, we talk about them, and through that, other people can maybe gain something from that or just sort of observe and learn. And so the only way we do that is by talking about what we have right now is our own experiences. And as we bring new people and new experiences, the podcast that can develop. And so any question I ask is sort of, you know, twofold. It's in general how can people do this? But the way we're going to tackle that problem is by talking about how we personally do it. And then maybe from there we can go on something more. So, I mean, I am also just curious about how you do that. I know a little bit about, you know, things that get you excited about, you know, different ideas, but you know, the world doesn't know yet. And I'm also just curious. All right. Well, I, I'd be happy to, to ramble my way through an answer to that question. But Keegan, are you, are you feeling like you got something ready to say on, on Prashant's question? Oh, I'm, I'm really enjoying listening. So I think I'm going to just keep listening. Okay, dope. So let me let me try to, to maybe flesh out because uh, I, I agree with you, Prashant. I do think it's valuable to talk about where I come from with, you know, my my seeds. <laughs> and uh, I think staying consistent with with what I said a couple minutes ago about like ideas being expressions of who we are. Um, I, I mean, I, I have a curious brain. <laughs> uh, I think that is a fair thing to say. I have a brain that is my type of curiosity. And I, I don't know if, if this is what all curiosity is like, or if this is a specific type of curiosity, but my curiosity really tends to manifest as trying to take all the like trying to someone described it to me once and i really liked it as trying to solve a like a, a three-dimensional puzzle or something like that like uh 
like trying to take these pieces um, often from different disciplines and seeing how they might just fit together to explain something that is interesting. So a while back, you, t you we were talking about um, losing taste and smell, and you mentioned that your boss um, gets phantom smells like when she walks by a freshly cut lawn. And, um, you know, I hear something like that. It To me, it's, I mean, I think I said like, oh, there's a lot there. Um, it, when yeah. I hear something like that, for whatever reason, my brain is like, why might that be? What might be happening in the brain that causes a phantom smell to occur? And so, you know, I held myself back in that moment. Um, I mean, like, if I were to take a step back there, I'd like, as to why that was fascinating to me, because I imagine that's not fascinating to everybody. For whatever reason, I'm curious about how the brain works. And so I've done a lot of, you know, a lot of my schooling has had to do with that um, and, and thus far. And so maybe I, maybe I ended up there because I'm a curious person and like the brain is, as I view it, like who we are and, and makes us, I don't know, it, maybe it's just kind of natural to me as being a curious person that I would want to yeah. know about Can how I the brain a works. a follow-up question? And yeah. this is specific to you, but feel free to jump in, Keegan. When you experience something new, like a new concept, so for example, phantom smell syndrome, and you shape it up to your, like a, a subject of interest, the brain, I'm sort of interested in the idea of, like, what what comes first in like the creative process? Mm. Is it that you hear an, a concept and then you match it up to, you sort of match it up to an idea that you had before about the way the brain works or do you sort of view every new concept and then sort of try to fit it within the framework that you are interested in, like the brain? Can you repeat the two like options again? Yeah, it's like, what comes first? Is it when you hear a new idea, do you match it up to a, a, a concept of what you're interested in? Mm -hmm. Like the brain, like if you have a, a new, like a, an advantage smell syndrome, you hear about it and then you're, you're inspired in the context of the brain? Or I guess basically like what comes first? Is it your interest in the brain and then everything you look at is then molded into the brain? Or... Can something about the brain then inform you on other topics that you're interested in? Mm. So, okay. Does that make sense? Yeah, I think so. I, I mean, I I also think I need to figure out if those are different things. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> that might just be the same thing. no, no. I mean, it might and might not. So it's worth ta talking about. Um, I mean, the first thing it seems pretty clear, right? Like, is that fascinating to me? And like, do I have a take on it? No, do I have an idea about it? Uh, because because it relates because like I know of a way it could relate to a concept I already know a lot about that being the brain and how it works, or is it because like I'm always primed to be thinking about the brain that I when I hear something like a phantom smell or about that concept that idea. Um, I'm just going to go immediately to 
thinking about the role of the brain in that because I'm I'm kind of always thinking about the role of the brain. Is that is that kind of the the distinction you're asking about? Yeah, I think so. I think in this case it's complicated because both of these topics are directly related to the brain. But like, what if you took an abstract or even a, a you know a concept completely unrelated to the brain? Like I'm driving on a highway right now, and if you think about like highway interchange systems, like a civil engineering problem. If you were to become interested in that problem, would you then try to frame it in the context of the brain because that's what you're interested in? Or is it the fact that you're interested in the brain sort of lead you to believe that highway interchanges are actually related and developed because they come from our brains and are therefore a direct result of the way our brains work? So that's a, like, I really like that question. And I, I actually am going to give an option three if that's okay. Um, yeah, I'd love to hear because I, the option three that I want to give is not that I would like relate the how the highways are made and that civil engineering problem to the brain because it's our brains that created that. I mean, maybe I'd get there at some point, but I, I would just say that because it's something that I've spent a lot of time thinking about, and I guess maybe this again speaks to who I am, my creative process has a lot to do with just like finding connections between things. Um, I think that the amount of time that I've spent in my life thinking about the brain is going to result in me uh, just like coming across things where I'm like, hmm, that's, that reminds me of this thing. And that thing that it reminds me of is like speaks to who I am, right? It's it's I, and and maybe that is actually the the, the second the option two from your earlier question, um, being like, yeah. do I think about like do I have an idea there that has to do with the brain because I think about brains a lot? Yeah, actually, maybe that's that's um, where I'd put myself on that uh, process. It might be different for other people, um, but I think like. I, ha I, I find myself that I have a, a tendency to, to make these, these connections across disciplines. Um, things in certain contexts just often tend to remind me of things in other contexts. And then I get excited by that. And, and it, I think it motivates me to try to come up with more ideas of saying, it's really cool that these two things have some analogous parts. Let's, let's see, what could we do with that? I'll just quickly jump in. The, what what we plan, you know, what ideas that we bring into this podcast and how we interact with them, I think is really important. Um, sometimes I think it's relevant to relate one idea to another and bring it back to a central theme. So, like for example, the brain. You know, if we talk about how something works or what we find interesting or what we created, then we can relate it back to a central theme talk about maybe in our case our central theme our, our ideas itself like the pedagogy of ideas you know and how that can help somebody build something for themselves but sometimes it's also interesting to take something that has value and just analyze it for what it is on its own unrelated to any other concept that we might be discussing like highways you know, why is a highway system interested unrelated to the idea of building something or creating something just in itself what makes that interesting you know the way it interacts with the world or the way we interact with it that might give us some ideas on just, you know. Yeah, well, to me, to me, to me, for Sean, it sounds like you're suggesting that there are different ways to nurture your ideas. And I would absolutely agree with yes. that. 
I, I mean, if you're going further to say, like, we, on this podcast, we should make it, you know, make a strong effort to go about it in a specific way or never go about it in the same way too often. Oh, I'd be willing to hear you out on that. But if you're, but in terms of there are different ways to nurture idea, I am a hundred percent on board with that. And that leads nicely into talking about like ways of nurturing, I think are really important to our philosophy here. Should I get into that? Or Keegan, do you have anything to add? Uh, I have a lot of thoughts on nurturing. So why don't you stage nurturing and I'm going to get into that. Dope. So essentially I put forth three major ways that a garden. And again, I will say this was with a botanical frame in mind, I suppose. Um, so maybe there will probably be more things to add to this. Uh, but the three things that I put forth were soil. Um, you need soil in this space, um, which is a place for the seeds to be planted. And I can talk a little bit more about what I think that means. Um, but I'll say the other ones. Uh, the next one is water. Um, and I, I describe that as uh, externally provided nourishment from any number of sources. And the third one is light exposure. And I, I am intentional in adding the exposure there because I describe that as someone or something exposing other sources of energy to the things that are growing in the garden. So. Yeah, does anyone want me to expand on any of those points immediately, or do we want to just kind of say your thoughts on things that are glaringly missing, or just um, touching on any of those things in particular? Did you talk about, like, the motivation? Motivation. Yeah, and I can elaborate on that. Um, Please. In my mind, like, in order to have a garden, and you have to first understand your motivation for the garden. So I think like at some point on this podcast and maybe early on in one of the subsequent episodes here, we should have a deep discussion of what would motivate somebody to want to take an intentional approach to their ideas. Uh, because it may seem obvious, like once you've kind of thought about it, it seems like, well, of course, but I think for a lot of people, it'd be helpful to have that sort of framing dialogue. And then from there, you can talk about, okay, you want the garden now, what do you do? Because I think if at any point you find yourself not wanting it, all of the rest is ineffectual. I think that's a really good point. Keegan, is there something in your life that you feel like gave you intentionality in like seeking out how to develop your ideas? Uh, so I'm 100% confident that there is something, and I'm about 50% confident that I know what it is. <laughs> okay. What's awesome. your What's your hunch on that? Honestly, in a sense, it was, it was spring term. Elaborate, really? please. <laughs> yeah. Like, I, I think it begins that late for me and I, I could defend that point but i i think a true understanding starts there for our hypothetical viewers at home um that is just a set <laughs> of phonemes so could you say why spring term what spring term means to you and why that might be a, a major factor in your creativity or how you express yourself yeah i certainly can and uh that that would be a wonderful motivation for wanting an idea garden is to understand the phonemes <laughs> So spring term, uh, the four of us, the four of us, the three of us met at university and for one of our spring terms, we all lived together in sort of like old college housing, as you could imagine, like dark shag carpet, brick, dirty. And uh, it was 
shortly after we'd all sort of become friends in earnest and we're living together and it was just a very, very intensive period of time in my life where there's a lot of, a lot of resources spent on self-reflection and connection, like deep, meaningful connection to other people. So that resource intensive time yielded a lot of good results. One of which I think was the motivation to have an idea garden. Nice. Yeah, I mean, I, I would, I would say, having been part of that experience as well, and knowing that a lot of the ideas that I would go so far as to say I'm passionate about today, um, it being, what, three years later almost, were incubated, you know, either created or nurtured um, significantly in that time period. So I would have to concur that that is a huge motivation for me in, in sort of creating an idea garden. Not that that sort of this concept that we've been laying out was in my mind at that point. Um, and I'm guessing it wasn't in yours either, Keegan, but just that, yeah, I think having a space like that and, a and people like that, um, I mean, we're the type of fools to get on the mic for two hours and talk about ideas. So I think that was, that was very helpful for me, um, in, in, uh, becoming the person I am and having the ideas that I do. Yeah. And I would just also like to touch on the point that while I think this sort of framework that we're applying is, has a lot of novelty and will be really helpful to a lot of people, just giving a more grounded perspective to some ideas that philosophers have been in before. Um, our language even beat us to it because like the common phrase, you reap what you sow, mm. I think directly connects the idea of, well, the notion of idea as to the metaphor of a garden or agriculture in general. So I'm really excited about this because I think it has a certain timeless value and it just hasn't been as present, at least in our time from my generational perspective. So I think, I think the moment is ripe to steal another uh, kind of callback. I think that's a hugely important part is is the motivation um i don't even know if there needs to be like a clear cut like i i use soil water and light which i do want to touch on a little bit longer so you guys and others can understand it um as i understand in my head you guys cooled me just i don't know do i do i need to say more about this the soil water and light piece did that make sense to you guys I have a strong sense of it. I mean, I'm sure there's nuance that we haven't gotten into, but I think each of those could be another episode. I think this is this is about training yeah. out. So I would say for now, I'm good with it. Okay, good. Then um, I guess one more question I have is like, I brought up the concept of the Zen garden earlier. Um, and I, I am feeling a bit conflicted about this the approach of like the the ideas in the idea garden are the seeds and i don't and i think seed really kind of keeps things in the realm of uh of botany and and i'm I'm wondering if you guys have any thoughts on on opening that up a little bit more for like you know, the other things that could be part of a garden. It's not, you know, it's not entirely necessary, but I thought it was worth asking, you know, where might the concept of a Zen garden fit into this whole thing? Well, yeah, I mean, if you're comparing a Zen garden to like a botany garden, 
the Zen Garden is more introspective. Like, it's not a place necessarily, at least in my understanding, where you go to, to continue to build something. It's somewhere where you go to sort of put yourself in a state of mind that you might not otherwise be able to achieve. So in the context of our podcast, the three of us, or whoever happens to be on the podcast, are coming together to achieve, achieve a new state of mind that might be reflective, it might be meditative, or it might just be helping us work through thoughts in a way that might not be possible on our own. Yeah, and okay, here, I, I agree with you, Prashant, and I, it seems to me like a huge factor in Zen gardens doing that for people is in their architecture. You know, how they're designed specifically so that they give you like from being viewed even from like a specific perspective. Um, but that word being key that like they <laughs> the the sort of perspective they give you through their their design, through their architecture allows like, you know, gets you helps get you into that place for self-reflection and and, uh, you know, sort of ex yeah, not necessarily existential th thinking, but like, yeah, existential thinking, which as we talk about ideas and, and them being like a fundamental part of being human, we are defining an architecture here, right? Like we, 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 we are the architects and, and we will have consulting architects for our idea garden to, to allow it to be a space that is, um, conducive to our own reflection not just the the collaboration um and and innovation that comes out of ideas but also the the self-reflection that comes out of it yeah i really like that idea i mean we're building something that then allows for other innovation and reflection like and it sounds like a lot of buzzwords but i think once we start tackling more specific topics or just with better examples we might you know, have more ideas on how to flesh out our architecture or expand upon it or change. Can people try to rehash just for the sake of like putting it down in one place what the goals they would have for the idea garden that we're creating here? I have a very quick goal um, coming into this very low expectation or not low expectation, but rather just like no expectation mm -hmm. of what it was going to be. I'm very curious about you know, your guys's and anybody else who comes from the podcast, their way of tackling ideas, their way of sort of interacting with the world and how they, and I really like Keegan's point about intentionality, so I'm going to bring it in here, sort of what, what they can do intentionally to sort of better themselves and build ideas or better their ideas um, and to learn from that and fold it into my own life. And then if I can also bring ideas of how I do that and then maybe help inspire somebody else. That's, that's sort of my goal. So I have finding people's approach to tackling ideas and navigating the world, what people can do um, intentionally to better themselves and their ideas. And what was the third point? If possible, bring my own thoughts on how I intentionally tackle problems and you know creativity and, and creation and inspire somebody else. So basically bring your own thoughts on the yeah, like I'm curious how things. you do it, but I also maybe people are curious on how I do. Oh, I for so, sure am, and I bet other people are too. Keegs, do you have any goals you think uh, you want to make sure are set in in stone, or at least in the word document? <laughs> <laughs> that 2020 stone. Yeah, so I definitely echo everything Prashant said, and then 
for me, something I'm very curious about, something I definitely want to explore in this podcast is like, what is, what is the, the benefit? What is the power of having a much more kind of tangible or grounded lexicon for this sort of work? Because again, I think a lot of philosophers have explored notions of ideas and how they are metabolized and all that. But I, I think it often is at such like an ivory tower level that it doesn't result in much actionable information. So I'm, I'm very curious to see like when we put this into, yeah, I like the, the context of a garden and, and behaviors everyone has seen and can relate to, if that actually empowers well, both myself selfishly, but then others to be more intentional with their idea garden. So, so if, as if, an experiment, very curious about that. Wait, can and, I stop you for one sec? If I'm yeah. understanding correctly, when I titled this section sort of ironically as philosophy of ideas <laughs> and spent some time saying like, it's not that we're actually trying to define a philosophy of ideas, it's just like sort of how we're going to approach ideas. It sounds like you're saying that we might actually be trying to sort of set down a, a, a philosophy of ideas, perhaps guard, the garden theory of ideas, you know? Yeah, or, or like just set down a, a frame, I guess, to use like the AI term, because I think currently like there's a lot of, there's a lot of information about ideas. There's a lot of knowledge about ideas, but I don't think there's a lot of like meaningful self-discussion because it, it's just too abstract in many ways. So I, I'm excited to see what happens when it's it's set into a more grounded scenario. Do we have like for our laying out our framework on how to intentionally tackle ideas? Do we have a source material for that, or is that just coming from our own experience on how do we grow an idea garden? Like, is there like a when we're laying out a framework, are we building something completely new or do we have, like, like I said, like a, a jumping off point? I'll say this. I am referencing no materials whatsoever. Now, that doesn't mean the mat materials don't exist, but as far as I'm concerned, we have been building from scratch up to this point, and I don't see a huge reason to discontinue doing that, but that doesn't mean we can't reference other things, and that doesn't mean we can't take the time between today's recording session and another recording session and do some research and have some things to reference. Yeah. Uh, I don't think, yeah, I don't think there's a need to that. I was just curious. What were you going to say, Keith? Oh, I was just going to say, if I ever reference something outside of like my own experience, it'll just be because it struck me in the moment as relevant. I'm not going to like develop a list of references that I want to bring up, if that makes sense. And I think that describes you pretty well as a person. Yeah. <laughs> But no, I think, I think the fun of this will be like, like you, I said, doing it from scratch and just at various points, kind of very transparently admitting, like there are probably philosophers who have touched on this in a very academic manner and maybe even in like a, a superior manner. But what we're trying to do here is not just regurgitate the existing literature, but provide it like a kind of novel perspective on it. Yeah. But, and, and, but like, I agree completely, but I would just add that like, what you just said is part one, point one, is adding a novel perspective on, on a philosophy of ideas. Part two is we want to, like, we want this space for our own and others' ideas to be nurtured and, like, you know, given the best chance at, at success and whatever that might look like for that idea um, through this medium. Taking so it this seriously. isn't going to be a bass fishing podcast, then? Yeah, dude, sorry. You you joined the wrong Zoom call. Yeah, it's all right. It's all right. We can talk about bass fishing 
very soon if you're I'm there. actually reading a book about bass fishing right now. That's why I asked. I thought you were reading Americana. brought it up. I'm reading both. Also, fairly disappointed in not taking the time to explain why my favorite artist is my favorite artist, but, you know, you win some, you lose some. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, shout-outs to, shout to Boney Bear. Everyone should listen to Boney Bear, and uh, then I can explain why he's the best ever. There you go. You gotta let people sometimes develop their own opinion before you share your own. You don't wanna... Yeah, check them out, and if you're confused... Uh, Contact me, and I will happily find a excellent way to help you understand the beauty and mystery of Justin Vernon and Boney Bear. Yes, this podcast brought to you by Justin Vernon. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, given the nature of the time, who knows what's outside the realm of possibility? Maybe we can get him on here. <laughs>